Good morning, Family Worship Center family, and to those of you who are watching us all over the world. Uh, wherever you loc- you're located today, I, uh, I just greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm so glad you're watching. Uh, whether you're in home, uh, you're in your office, or you're in your vehicle, or you're listening and watching uh, by phone uh, at work, I want to express our sincere appreciation for you uh, joining us today. And before I get started, I, I just want to give a shout out. There is a host of team members at Family Worship Center who are working diligently behind the scenes to make this distant worship gathering meaningful and essential to your life. So before we begin today, I want to publicly thank our church staff for their tireless efforts in making sure our church family the Family Worship Center congregation, and those who are connected to our church family all over the world, uh, I want to thank them for touching our church family during this difficult season. Every day, every day, every single day, many of the FWC team are tasked with the assignment of touching base with members of our church family, offering help and encouragement and prayer. There are hundreds and hundreds of people online every single day. There's hundreds of people online who are daily sharing testimonies and wonderful devotions which keep us encouraged and remind us to focus on our faith instead of focusing on our fear. And we see those We see those wonderful devotions daily online. And I thank the Lord for each of these voices. But honestly, there are times in life when we need more than a distant voice. We need a touch of personal care and assurance. And we're living in that time. And that is the mission of the local church. That's why every day our staff at Family Worship Center are tasked with reaching out and touching somebody. During this difficult, uncomfortable, and scary time, we're here for you. We love our FWC family, and we love the family members who are connected to families of FWC. We love our friends in other cities and nations. Every week, we have friends watching us from Asia, Europe, South America, Canada, the Middle East, and numerous states in the United States of America. To each of you. You may be a long way from us physically, but you are daily in our hearts. We might not be able to get to you in the physical, but we can pray for you in Tennessee. And the God in heaven will hear our prayers, and he will move in your behalf, whatever country, nation, village, city, or community you happen to be in in this world. We're all in this together. We are all in this situation together. This evil disease is touching every one of us, one way or the other. Satan is so stupid. He is stupid. He is so stupid to know that by now, that any attack against humanity becomes the trumpet call for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to rise up and go to war. We at Family Worship Center have heard the trumpet call, and we are answering. We will use every means at our disposal 
to serve our church, our church family, and be a blessing to our community. We're not going AWOL during this difficult time. We are not going AWOL. When the battle intensifies, we are going to rise up because we've been preparing for this our entire life. The Bible tells us some amazing things. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, gives us some insight. He gave us insight about this time in which we are living before this plague ever happened. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1 says this. Paul said to Timothy, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. You should know this. He said to Timothy, you should know this, that in the last days there's going to be some very difficult times. Listen to how Paul says it. He says, Timothy, you should know about this. It shouldn't catch you by surprise. The Scriptures mention it. Jesus spoke about it. Strange things will take place in the last days. That's what he said. Timothy, you ought to understand that. Things will, which are difficult and frightful and uncomfortable are going to happen. And he says, I'm warning you ahead of time. In the same letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul says this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3. He says this, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I like what the Phillips translation says. It says, Timothy, put up with your share of hardship as a loyal soldier in Christ's army. Put up with your share of hardship as a loyal soldier in Christ's army. I want to encourage all of us to recognize that we are in a spiritual war. The Holy Spirit says to endure hardship, endure suffering, being uncomfortable as a good soldier. He says that's we are to endure that. I like another translation says, put up with your share of hardship. Put up with it as a loyal soldier. During this difficult time, this uneasy time, this uncomfortable time, this scary time, let's not spend our time complaining. Let's not spend our time blaming or being critical. That is not the attitude of a good loyal soldier. That's the attitude of a spoiled brat. I hope the spoiled brats in the church don't outnumber the good soldiers. If they do, we will not accomplish our mission or fulfill what the Lord desires accomplished during this COVID-19 plague. In Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus what things will look like before he returns and the end of the world. Jesus replied with a list of unusual and scary things which will take place. And he mentions something interesting in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 7. If you have your Bibles at home, if you're sitting in your den, or if you're sitting in your, uh, around your uh, dining table, or wherever you might be, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse number 7. I want to read it from the New King James Version. It says it this way. It says, Jesus is talking. They said, when are you, when's the end going to come? When are you coming back? What, what, the, what are things going to look like when that happens? And Jesus says it like this. He said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Jesus said one of the signs that we can look for 
before he returns is that there will be pestilences in various places. The word pestilence there is the word in the original language, deadly infections or diseases. Jesus said, before I return, before the end comes, he says, you're going to see an increase of deadly infections and diseases. And notice what he says. He says, when we start seeing these deadly diseases in places, it normally doesn't happen that we need to wake up and realize there is more at work here than just people getting sick. We are experiencing the signs of the time. But then notice what he goes on to say. Matthew 24, verse number 13. Matthew 24, verse 13. Notice what he says. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. There's that word again, endure. Those who endure who take their burden, who suffer joyfully, those who endure as a good, loyal soldier shall get through this thing with their faith intact. And then he wraps it all up. Jesus wraps it all up with a verse that declares the mission of the church. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. After all these things, while all these things are taking place, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, pestilence, famine, earthquakes, a lot of things in the natural, a lot of things politically, a lot of things in the environment will take place. And then notice what Jesus says, Matthew 24, verse 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Listen, Colsey. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. All of us are disturbed because our church services are interrupted. I see it every day. I, re- I feel calls from pastors every day. Everybody's upset about church services being interrupted. And I miss it dearly. I miss being with our church family. You know, most preachers, they say we only work one day a week, so now we don't even get to work that one day a week. So understand, we all miss it. Now, there's a couple on the staff. They don't work, but, but they, you know what I'm talking about. So, so we're all upset, and some people have tried to make this a political thing. And they've gotten distracted of what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, even in the midst of this terrible plague. Unfortunately, many Christians have fallen prey to the the, the political chatter that surrounds church congregations not being able to assemble together. This is the distraction which Satan wants to get us carried away with. He wants disunity. He wants complaining. He wants us to spend our time on social media complaining and criticizing and blaming other people. Yet at the same time, when all this political mess is trying to divide us, social media is alive with people hearing and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches from small to large are having people watch online. There's church services who've never, who have never attended a church service in their building. I've had pastors contact me this week telling me they've heard from people who had left their church years ago and hadn't been in church since then, but because this situation is so scary, now people are watching their church services online. People are scared. People are looking for encouragement. 
They are needing a word of assurance and comfort. And Jesus says, when you see all these things taking place, it's a platform to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, at this moment, during this difficult time, it's not about getting people in the church building. It's about getting the message out. It's not about getting people in. It's about getting the good news out. And people by the thousands are wanting a good word of encouragement. Church, this is our opportunity. This is our moment. This is our place in time and in history to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ like we've never shared it before. And here's the message that I have for you today from heaven. There is a cure. There is a cure for this mess we have found ourselves in. It is the same cure which Jesus promoted 2,000 years ago. Now, this cure will help you stand against this deadly infection. This cure will repel the fear that is trying to consume your home, your life, and our community. This cure will extinguish the hopelessness that many people are experiencing. This cure will enable you to sleep good at night instead of tossing and turning with restlessness. Unfortunately, medical science hasn't come up with a medical cure for COVID-19. Every day, we are praying that the supernatural insight and wisdom of God will be given to scientists and researchers and doctors as they work around the clock trying to find a remedy for this plague. As of yet, they have found none. But in the meantime, until a remedy or a vaccination is discovered, I want you to take a daily dose, a daily dose of this cure. It's called the praise cure. Today, the Christian church celebrates Palm Sunday. We celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the time in which we remember the entrance of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. It's the beginning of Holy Week. It's the most historical and supernatural week in the history of the world. Now, the reason it's called Palm Sunday was because Jesus was riding a donkey into the city of Jerusalem. And as he did, the people laid palm branches on the road as a sign of peace and honor for their king. We pick it up. Turn in your Bibles. Turn over there real quickly to Matthew chapter 21. If you have your children around the table with you, around the couch with you, uh, let's take just a moment and get them, let them see this scripture. A lot of times they hear about the Word of God. It's important they see that it's in the Word of God. Turn over to Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. I'm going to read it this time out of the New Living Translation. It says it like this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Amanda and I have been there several times, right on the top of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and its coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill 
the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the coat to him and threw their garments over the coat, and he sat on it. Verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. And then verse 10 says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar, As he entered, who is this? They asked, and the crowds replied, It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. There is so much, there's so many nuggets in this passage of Scripture, in these few verses of Scripture. It's impossible to get to all of them, but let me just share a couple of real highlights of this verse. The Bible tells us, first of all, that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he did this to fulfill a prophecy written about him over 500 years before he was born. That prophecy was written in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. Notice what it says. Zechariah, hold, turn over to the Old Testament. Old Testament. Zacharias toward the end of the Old Testament. I'll give some of you a chance to go to the table of contents. Sometimes I have to go to the table of contents to find some of those little chapters. Zechariah chapter 9. This was written over 500 years before Jesus Christ was born. And the Bible tells us there was a prophet by the name of Zechariah and the Spirit of God 500 years before Jesus was born, spoke to the prophet Zechariah and described in detail what that Palm Sunday entrance into Jerusalem would look like. And this is what he says. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in trumpet, in triumph. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king, your king, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. Now what's important to understand about this verse, and this prophetic verse, is that a king, a king would normally ride into the city on a stallion, a beautiful horse of prestige, A horse, an animal, befitting a king, a victorious king. A king riding on a stallion symbolizes the eliteness of the king and his victory in war, and that everybody is inferior to him. Nations, countries, armies, people. Because he's on a stallion, and he's victorious and over everyone else. A donkey is far from a stallion. The donkey was an animal for the common man. Many families had donkeys to help them do their agricultural work. And it symbolizes, the donkey symbolizes peace and humility. So 2,500 years before 
this event happened, a prophet prophesied that the king of heaven would ride into the greatest city on earth, Jerusalem. And the prophet said when he comes, he will be humble, riding a donkey. It's a sign, the prophet says. It's a sign. When you see this happening, you need to understand, this is not just your regular entrance. This is not just your regular Palm Sunday. This is not just the regular Passover. This is a sign, a historical sign, an eternal sign. It's a very unusual thing. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago. He came bringing peace from God the Father. For those of you watching and listening today, who have not been living for Jesus. You know, you just, you just got distracted or maybe you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. In easier times, you've convinced yourself that you're just as good as so-and-so that goes down there to that church. Just a few weeks ago, you found things to keep you busy and make excuses on why you haven't been in church and why you haven't been living for the Lord why serving Christ has not been a priority in your life. You were busy. You were making excuses. But today is different. There's nowhere to go. And all the activities that people have done to keep themselves busy have ceased for a while. Now you find yourself alone, at home, doing something you thought you would never do just a few weeks ago. Watching a chubby, preacher. My wife said, the silver fox. (laughs) Watching me say some things that is touching your heart. Have you ever paused to think that though Jesus didn't send this plague, Jesus did not send this COVID-19, this disease is not from heaven. And have you ever thought to think that though he didn't send it, he is using it? to slow you down for a few days, to think about what's important in your life? Have you ever even considered that God, though God didn't send this and God doesn't want you to get it, at the same time, He's going to use something that Satan has sent to destroy us, to encourage us and to help us and to get our focus back where it needs to be on things eternal, instead of things natural. On this Palm Sunday, he wants us reminded that 2,000 years ago, he came into the city of Jerusalem riding a donkey, an animal which symbolizes peace. Now here's something we've got to understand. The next time Jesus comes to earth, he won't be riding a donkey, and he won't be bringing peace. He came 2,000 years ago. He came riding a donkey as a symbol to every one of us that he identifies with where we are. He was tempted in all points like as we. He suffered the hardships and the difficulties and the confusion just like. He he knows what you're going through. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what our families are going through. He came bringing peace from God the Father. But the next time he comes, he's not coming on a donkey. Bring him peace. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation, turn over to the end of the Bible, the end, the last book, Revelation chapter 19. 
Verse number 11, Jesus says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. It wasn't a donkey. It's going to be a white horse. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head are many crowns. A name was written on him that no one knew except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written the title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen, the next time Jesus comes, he will not be riding a donkey bringing a message of peace. He will be riding a white horse bringing a message of judgment. And Jesus informed us that before the day of judgment comes, we would see unusual things taking place on planet earth. Jesus gave us, gives us a forewarning so that we would be prepared and get our hearts surrendered to God. This is your moment. This is your time. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Here's another verse. Turn with me to back to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse number 36. Luke chapter 19, verse 36 says this. As he rode along, the crowd spread out the garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen, blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. Verse 39, But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would understand. Now listen to what he says. I wish you would understand the way of peace or the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. As Jesus rode into the city, the people began to praise him. This is the cure for this mess we're in. It's called praise. And for a moment, for a moment, that day the people recognized the uniqueness of their moment and their voices were filled with praise. It's time we recognize the uniqueness of this moment. And praise God. Do you, you and I recognize? We're in, we're in something historical here. We're in something his eternal here. This is not just a moment of making us feel uncomfortable. This is something is God is going to use to bring thousands of people to Christ. For a moment, they were reminded of the words of the prophet. 
And they were blessed to be eyewitnesses, and it filled their hearts with praise. For a moment, they realized they were surrounded by their enemies, that though they were surrounded by their enemies, their king was riding by. And they couldn't contain their praise. Do you and I realize that though we're surrounded by this fear and this disease, that our king is still with us, and we need to praise him? Then we pick it up in Luke chapter 19, verse 39 and 40. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he said something really amazing. He said, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. See, the religious leaders criticized them for not following religious protocol. They criticized them. They said, this is not the way we do church. This is not the way we do church. Let me tell you something. Now is not the time to do church like normal. We are living in a difficult season where death and disease is trying to invade our nation. Religion, the way we've always done it, is not going to get the job done. It didn't keep the disease away, and it's not going to deliver us from the disease. It's time we get radical for the Lord Jesus Christ. And these people were not in the synagogue following the dictates of the religion. They were out on the streets giving praise to Jehovah God. And the religious leaders say, listen, you're not doing it right. This is not right. Remember when the Samaritan woman came to Jesus in John chapter 4? Remember in John chapter 4 when the Samaritan woman came to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. She said, listen, listen, you you Jews want to worship in this mountain and the Samaritans say worship at this other mountain. What are we supposed to do? Jesus responded, it's not about the place. It's about the praise. It's not about the place. It's about the praise. We miss church and we're looking forward to coming back to church as a church family. But I want you to know you can release a cure in your home through praise. You can release a cure in your car through praise. It's not about the place. It's about the praise. Jesus says it's not in this mountain or the other mountain. It's those who worship Him in spirit and truth. Wherever you are, you can release a cure for your depression, for your discouragement, for your hopelessness, for your lack, for your sickness and disease. There is a cure. It's the praise cure. It's not about the place. It's about the praise. And if we don't praise Him, the Bible said, Jesus said it. He said, if we don't praise Him, the earth is so groaning to praise God that the stones will cry out if we don't praise Him. Even the earth recognizes there's a deliverance from the corruption. Even the earth recognizes that there is a deliverance from corruption that the the earth is in. The earth will praise God to release itself and deliver itself from this corruption if we don't praise Him to release us and deliver us from this corruption. And as the city comes into focus, the Bible says, Jesus begins to weep. Verse 41 and 42 of Luke 19. But as He came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, He began to weep. And He says this, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. The way to peace, 
the way to healing, the way to comfort, the way to power in the middle of this nightmare is through praise. You see, you mean we don't have to be in church to do that? No, you don't have to be. It's not about the place. It's about the praise. In your living room today, before you carry on with your activities for the rest of the day, would you pull your family together? It might just be your spouse. It might be a, a single parent that just has a couple of the children there. Or you might be there all by yourself. You might be in your bedroom. Somebody said, Pastor, we, they contacted me this week. Pastor, we really like this church online. We don't even have to get up. We're still in our pajamas having church. Well, see, you can't see me from the waist down, so you don't know what I'm wearing. <laughs> so, so you're not the only one. <laughs> so, but wherever you are, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, would you take a moment and let's just praise Him? Because there is power in praise. You know, the Bible says, and I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible talks all these things that happen with we, when we praise. Did you know the Bible says that it, when we praise God, it serves as the highway for the angels of God to move from heaven to earth? When you praise God, it serves for a highway a spiritual highway for the angels of God to move from heaven to earth to work in our behalves. The Bible goes on and says there's an Old Testament story that tells us about when the, when the nation of Israel were up against the enemies, instead of sending out the military, they sent out the worshipers ahead. And as the worshipers went before the army of God, the praise of God, the praises of God's people, disarmed and confused the enemy. I tell you what, they tell us this COVID-19 disease is a, is a tricky, uh, evil thing that it keeps mutating and spreading. And, and, and we would think, if listening to all the medical science, we would think that thing is, is ahead of us and we can't get on top of it. I want you to know, we, if we'll praise God, the praises of God will confuse the enemy and bring it to naught. There's so many. The Bible tells us about people in the New Testament when they begin to praise God, they got healed, physically healed. There's so many benefits to praising God, and it's not where you do it; it's that you do do it. So, would you join me right now? Let's. You say, "Well, what, how do I do it?" You just you, here, here. Nobody's watching you. And, and, and so lift your hand. Our, our physical posture is so important in praise. Our physical posture, according to the Old Testament, the way we physically praise God demonstrates many, many things. And one of the things is just lifting your hands. So if you're at home, just lift your hands with me. And let's just for a moment thank Him and praise Him. Father, we just praise You that You are a good God. We praise you that you're working in our behalf. We thank you and praise you that you are protecting our family. You're protecting our children in the midst of this disease. You're protecting my grandchildren in the middle of this moment. Father, we praise you because there's no evil, there's no disease, there's no sickness that is greater than you. We thank you that you've given us your power. You've given us your authority. You've given us your name. You've given us your word. We've got so many wonderful things to combat this evil disease, and we just praise you for it. 
We praise you that you saw this and knew this long before it ever happened to us and you've got a way of escape for our nation and our families and our community. We praise you, Father, that you are the God who owns it all. You are the provider and you're going to provide for our family when we're hearing that people are being laid off and furloughed and companies are closing. We just praise you, Father, that you are our provider. We just praise you today. Amen. And if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if fear is trying to get on you, can I pray with you right now? Just repeat this after me. Just repeat this simple prayer. I guarantee you, He's going to come into your room. He's going to come into your bedroom, your den, your home, your car, your office, wherever you are. He's going to come and you're going to sense His presence and His peace is going to surround you. Just pray this with me if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. He came and brought me peace. You're not mad at me. You love me. And I accept that today. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of FWC Online. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving. Thank you. Praise God this week, would you? God bless.